Thanks for listening to this sermon recording from Liberty Family Church in Hillsville, Victoria, Australia. All of our sermons are available for free online, and we encourage you to subscribe to our sermon podcast through iTunes or by clicking the button on our website. If you'd like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, or would like more information about our church, head to www.libertyfamilychurch.net.au. God bless you, and we pray that this sermon recording encourages you and strengthens your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray as we open the Word of God today, and we'll start off into a new series, In the Family. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much that you are our Father that you are Abba Father, not a distant Father who is Father just because you are involved in producing us, but intimate Father, Abba, Daddy. We thank you, Jesus, that because of what you've done, you've made the way for anyone who would place their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ to become sons, to become daughters of God. We just want to praise you for that, even at the outset, Lord, of today. And we pray, Lord, that as we, as we unpack some more about what it means to be in the family, what it means to be a son and a daughter of the living God, we pray, Lord, that even if this sort of thing theoretically isn't new for many of us, I pray, God, that supernaturally in the spirit and deep within our hearts that you would do new things in us where potentially we feel uncertain at times of our standing before you, may we be certain in our place in your family by the end of today. We thank you, Jesus, and we know that you came that we might have life and life in abundance. And we know, Lord, that an aspect of that life is being secure as sons in your family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever really thought about what it means to be a member of God's family? We talk about these kind of things regularly, don't we? We sing songs about, I am a child of God. We often pray to God, just as I did, to our Father who is in heaven. But if you're like me, traditionally, I haven't really taken the time to kind of stop and really think about what it actually means to be in the family, what it means to be members of God's family. God's Word, who loves God's Word? We love God's Word here. That's what we're all about at this church. We love God's Word. And God's Word makes it clear that from the very moment, from the very moment that we repent, we turn around, Stop walking our own way and start walking with God. Jesus' work of redemption and trust in Jesus' work of redemption on the cross, at that very moment, we become adopted members of God's family. You know, sometimes we hear things thrown around like, every person in the world that God's created are his children. Well, it's not actually the case. Everyone in the world are created in the image of God and potentially could 
become children of God, but until they themselves come to a place of repentance and trust in Jesus Christ, they're not his children. Yeah? Clear? In John 1.12, we learn that whoever receives Jesus Christ and believes in him is given the right to become the child of God. John 1.12 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Paul in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7, he explains what this profound spiritual adoption actually looks like, what it, what it looks like in more detail. Here's what Paul says. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Wow. Now you might be thinking, come on, Joel, sons and daughters. We live in 2020 now. It's International Women's Day today. Come on, be a bit more inclusive here. Could be more respectful on today of all days. Well, there's a reason why I've said sons and there's a reason why Paul just says sons as well. If you're reasonably familiar with the New Testament, you'll know that Paul sometimes refers to people who have repented and trusted in Jesus, those of us who have been born again. Yeah? That's what it means to be born again. To be born not of flesh, but of the Spirit. To trust in Jesus and receive his Lordship and receive the the sealing gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Paul says that he refers to people who've repented and trusted in Jesus, sometimes only as sons and sometimes as sons and daughters or children of God. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, for instance, Paul quotes God speaking in two Old Testament passages, 2 Samuel 7.14 and Isaiah 43.6, to basically argue the point that God's desire is to be a father to all believers who are adopted into his new covenant family, yeah? As sons and daughters. So he's using an inclusive term saying God wants to be a father to sons and he wants to be a father to daughters. Here's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.18. And I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 16, Paul actually goes between the two, uses these terms interchangeably, first describing all believers as sons of God in verse 14, and then describing all believers as children of God, only a few verses later, reading from verse 14. This is Paul. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, all, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Why does he do this? Why does he do this? Why does Paul sometimes separate men and women, sons and daughters, and then other time lump them all together? Why doesn't Paul just use the phrase sons and daughters whenever he refers to men and women who are adopted children of God? And to extend that, why shouldn't we, anywhere where we just see sons, substituted as sons and daughters? Is there a reason why we shouldn't? Why did Paul choose to do it sometimes and not others? Well, as I said earlier, Paul actually intentionally does this for a very, very, very important reason. A very important reason. Paul in Galatians and in many of the other letters that he writes, he groups both men and women together under the phrase sons of God intentionally. Well and truly on purpose. Let's um, turn to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 23 all the way through to Galatians 4, 6 to 7, because this will really help us to understand why Paul does this. But before we read this big passage, let me just quickly summarize the theme of Galatians 3 so we can better understand what Paul's saying in context. So Galatians is a beautiful letter, if you haven't read it yet. And it's not a long letter either. So you could actually read it this afternoon while having a cup of coffee or something. But in Galatians 3, Paul is challenging his hearers to remember that they're not justified by keeping the law, but they've now, because they've trusted in Jesus, they've been justified by faith in him. They're they're justified only through faith in Jesus who redeemed us from the curse of the law and has made a way for all people to receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. That's a very, very quick summary, but that's essentially what Paul is saying there. He's reminding the people in the church at that time, and he's reminding us too of this powerful shift that has occurred, this powerful shift that has come about all because Jesus came, all because Jesus came to earth and he did what he did to redeem and adopt us into his family. So I encourage you, have a read of Galatians this week. But for now, keeping that very quick summary in mind, let's read Galatians 3.23 to Galatians 4.7 together now. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That is a remarkable passage of scripture, isn't it? There's so much in this passage about God's heart and his desire for this new covenant family. What it means to be a member of his family. In Galatians 3.28 alone, from that whole passage that we've just read, from one passage, one, one verse alone, we can learn so much about what, what life is like in God's kingdom, what life is like as members of God's own family. Paul teaches us that in God's new covenant family, old divisions or wrongful ideas of superiority and inferiority are demolished. They're gone. You think you're better because you have money? (laughs) No. That poor man on the street is just as valuable in my eyes as you. You think you're better because you were born male? (laughs) No way. You are just as valuable in my eyes as that woman over there. What a beautiful, beautiful thing in God's family. Paul shows us that because of Jesus' work on the cross, no longer are certain people viewed as being better or more favoured with God. If you look at the examples Paul uses in Galatians 3.28, he says this, Neither Jew nor Gentile. Paul shows that because of Jesus, all people who trust in him, Jews and Gentiles, can be declared righteous and can be adopted into his family. You know, where at one point in time in history, it was only the Jewish nation who, who were able to be um, in relationship with God. And yet when Jesus came, he opened up the way for all people of every tribe and every nation and tongue to be members of his family. What an incredible thing. God wants his family to include people from all nations and all people groups, Jews and Gentiles, people of the original promise, the Jewish people who are direct descendants of Abraham, as well as people like probably most of us here who are become spiritual children of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. What a shift Jesus has brought about. All people who trust in Jesus are welcome and have a place in God's family. And the second thing, neither slave nor free. Paul shows us that because of Jesus, people of all walks of life and standing in society are welcomed and valued in his family equally. You know, um, Slaves and free men, those of us who maybe have low standing in society, are just as valued as people who might experience a whole lot of uh, acclaim and might be looked upon favourably in society. Those who are materially rich along with those who are materially poor. All people who trust in Jesus are welcome and have a place in God's family. 
And the third one, neither male nor female. Paul shows us that because of Jesus, harmful ideas of gen- gender superiority are broken. You know, no longer. See, in the society, in the church in the day, the women hearing this letter read would have just been like gobsmacked. Like, what? what? Is Paul actually saying what we think he's saying? No longer are women to be looked down upon, treated as second-class citizens in society or even church circles, Paul's saying. In God's family, Paul says, women are, in terms of their spiritual standing and status, no different to men at all. Obviously, there's some pretty significant biological differences and um, you know, certain functional in the life of the church differences that men and women play in line with God's word. But Paul makes it clear, in God's family... Men and women are spiritually all one in Christ Jesus. And so this is exactly why Paul intentionally groups men and women together under the phrase sons of God in Galatians 4.6. You see, the word sons used here and elsewhere in Scripture is the Greek word huias, which is a legal term that was used in adoption and inheritance laws in first century Rome. Think about this. Traditionally, what would happen if someone's father passed away? Who would get the inheritance? The son. Could have 16 daughters and the 17th would be the son. Who would get the inheritance? The son, because he's a male. Traditionally, men were the only ones who had the legal right of sons and were able to receive the inheritance of their father once their father had passed away. It didn't mean that the sons didn't have obligations because of receiving the inheritance. God was very clear that the the daughters and other women were to be cared for, but ultimately the only one who could possess the inheritance in full was the son. Women received inheritance rights through marriage, as being a wife of someone, or indirectly as a member of a household, but not as a direct heir as such. As um, Chelsea Stanley, a writer at Desiring God, explains, in ancient cultures, sons were named as the legal heirs. In turn, husbands and fathers were expected to provide for the women of their households. Being a direct heir in society would not have been possible for the Galatian women, though they would receive a kind of indirect inheritance through marriage. Can anyone see why Paul chose to group men and women together in his teaching around this? By intentionally grouping men and women, male and female believers together as sons, as sons of God in his family, Paul is making this abundantly clear for all of us. Both men and women, all people, are equal heirs to God's inheritance. Men and women are both sons who have the same legal rights to enjoy the wonders and the riches that come through God's inheritance. As my study Bible puts it, both men and women who having been adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, now enjoy all the privileges 
obligations and inheritance rights of God's children. So good. We, both men and women, who have become sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, right now, right now, enjoy all the privileges, the obligations, and the inheritance rights of God's children. Isn't that incredible? Chelsea Stanley goes on to say this. Just imagine the Galatian women coming to hear of this new status in God's kingdom as Paul speaks in these otherwise familiar terms. Picture these women hearing Paul's letter read, a letter addressed to the entire Galatian church. They understood sonship and all that it entailed. So hearing that God had given both brothers and sisters together the status of sons would have blown them away. God stepped in and radically declared that men and women are one in Christ, equally privileged and exalted, co-heirs together. In his kingdom, both men and women receive the full inheritance through faith in him. Wow. All people who are adopted as sons into God's family, sons and daughters, men, women, children, women, men, children, children, women, men, doesn't matter which way you put it, all of us who are adopted into God's family, we're sons. We have the legal status to partake of the inheritance of God. It's incredible. It's amazing. All because of Jesus. Let's just read Galatians. Let's read that passage again and and. As I'm reading it, just let that, the reality of that wonder just really go deep into your heart right now. Now, before faith came, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise." I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Friends, Jesus has opened the way for every child, every woman, every man, to become a member 
of his family. He's made the way to welcome them in. And not only that, has he made a way for us to be welcomed in and made right with God and be able to be where we've always been designed to be in close relationship with Jesus. But he has also made the way for us to enjoy all the benefits that come with being adopted into the family, all the spiritual riches that exist because of Jesus Christ. You know, think about this. Think about our inheritance right now. You know, often we think, Often I think, if I'm honest, when I, when I think of what we inherit in Christ, I think towards the pearly gates. I think towards eternity. And, oh yeah, we, we have an eternal destiny, which is great and it's true. But if that's all we're focusing on, we're missing so much of the richness that we can enjoy in this life. And in this life is the very thing that helps us through very dark stages in this life. And who knows, we often have some of those. Think about this. Because of Jesus, we can enjoy relationship with Holy Spirit now. Because of Jesus, we can call God Abba, Father. Because of Jesus, as it says in Ephesians 1.3, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because of Jesus, Romans 5.1 we can enjoy peace with God. Because of Jesus, Hebrews 7, 24 to 25, and this is so, so good. And if you, if you ever struggle with, with your, your sense of, of your eternal salvation and if you're securing it, have a read of Hebrews 7, 24 to 25. Because of Jesus, we can be fully confident that our salvation is secure for eternity. Hebrews 7, 24 to 25. The inheritance that we can enjoy through faith in Jesus is incredible. It really is. It's mind-blowing. Now, if you're here today and you've already, you are, you're an adopted son, you're an adopted daughter, you're an adopted child. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to just really set aside some time this week to give God thanks for what Jesus has opened up for you, for the salvation that we enjoy, for the, the abundance of the riches that we enjoy. Thank him for all the ways that he has blessed you as he's made a way for you to become an adopted son of God. Praise him that because of Jesus, you are a son. And not just a son, but an heir in the inheritance. And maybe you're here or listening today and, and you don't yet know what I'm even talking about. Maybe for you, you're, you're listening and you're going, well, it sounds good. I, I like that idea of being a part of a family. You know, my, my family hasn't been super functional. I, I haven't had a great experience of family. I like the sound of being a part of God's family. What does that even mean? Well, I just want to encourage you to to today, to make today the day where you become, make things right with God, where God is always calling and drawing people and saying, come to me, my child. Come to me, my child. Come to me, my child. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. I love you. I care for you. Will you come to me today? 
And so if that's you today, I would love to pray with you at the end and introduce you to Jesus. And he will, as he does for anyone who would trust in him and place their faith in him, he makes the way for you to come close to God. So choose to trust in him today, if that's you. What I want to do now is I just want to...